Garden Success is brought to you in part by the Arbor Gate, featuring unusual plants, artisan-created decorative pieces, and a constantly changing array of items that bring beauty, comfort, and even flavor to the home and garden. Arbor Gate, 15635 FM 2920, Tomball, Texas, 281-351-8851 or arborgate.com. Garden Success is also brought to you by the Farm Patch, 3519 South College Avenue in Bryan, 979-822-7209. Welcome to Garden Success with Skip Richter the show designed to help you have a bountiful garden and a beautiful landscape. Call in now with your lawn and garden questions at 979-845-5689 or email your questions to gardensuccess at tamu.edu. And now, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension horticulturist, Skip Richter. Well, hello and welcome to Garden Success. We are looking forward today to talking to you about your garden, your yard, Anything you want to talk about, fruit trees, flowers, even houseplants, because this is a good time of day to be working on your houseplants as opposed to working out in the blazing hot sun. Our phone number, if you'll write it down, you can give us a call at 845-5689, 845-5689, or by email at gardensuccess at tamu dot edu garden success at tamu dot edu uh, let's see we're going to talk about all kinds of different things today and go, go to a few of the emails as well uh, but i just wanted to start off by uh, saying that with the kind of weather we're having so hot and so dry we're doing a lot of watering and when you water a lot a couple things happen number one your water bill goes up uh, uh, and that's not good. Uh, but also, you every time you water, you're adding uh, some sodium, specifically, uh, to the to the soil. And when you just overwater all the time with tons of that sodium, it affects the soil's structure, especially of a clay. Uh, it causes a clay to not uh, um, open up and develop a structure that drains internally well. Uh, and it also adds sodium, which is, affects pH, and, and uh, it's, it's not good to have an excessive amounts in the soil. So it's kind of a double whammy of overwatering. And I'm going to talk a little bit about watering and proper watering and why in a moment. But first, let's go to the phones. Again, the number is 845-5689, and talk to Melinda. Hello, Melinda. Hi, Skip. Thank you so much. We really enjoy your program. Well, thank you. Uh, we have, uh, um, sorry, I'm trying to get Tom to turn the phone down. This year we ordered uh, some seed from uh, Southern Exposure for summer squash. And the zucchinis, uh, they just, they produced uh, sterile flowers of both kinds. And all of the flowers were green and the vines just grew really long. And I noticed I have one yellow squash that uh, now much later is doing the same thing. They had tons of these green flowers on them, but no fruit that ever amounted to anything. 
can that be viral from all of the hemiptera insects that we've had this summer, or is it? Uh, do you think it's a hybrid seed, or mm-hmm. it was just sterile? Or well, well that's a that's what? a good question. I have never run into green squash blossoms. Now, there are viruses that will cause squash to be mottled yellow and green. Uh, squash that maybe should be yellow is yellow and green or, or whatever. But I'd, I've not seen that on the blooms. It, that may be something that can happen. I haven't run across it. Uh, have you grown zucchini before? Uh, yes, okay. and never had trouble with uh, uh, the zucchini or the yellow squash. Okay, so when you say the vines grow long, uh, roughly how long is long? Oh, we're talking about eight feet long. Oh, gosh. Those aren't 100% zucchini. Uh, If you've grown it before, the reason I ask that is you're kind of familiar with what a zucchini leaf looks like. It's it's very deeply cut. Uh, You know, the the lobes are are more prominent on it. And these, do they look like that? Yes, they do. Okay. You know, that that was it in, in... we actually had, I guess, a couple of seeds from last year mm-hmm. that Tom planted, okay. and uh, that one uh, has actually produced some regular zucchini. Mm-hmm. But all of the other seeds have, and whenever it had a female bloom, the what the fruit was just this long, four rigid. Um, green fruit that was about six inches long with a green flower on the end and all of the male flowers were green um, and it almost looked like you you could have dried them if you wanted to take the time but they produced no fruit so I have pulled them up and thrown them over to the side of the garden do you think if it is viral that it was spread by all the different, uh, uh, well, they're not not necessarily stink bugs, but uh, squash bugs and leaf-footed bugs and other things that uh, have come through this summer. The sharpshooters have been really bad, but then that's a different family okay. also. Yeah, I can, I can, don't, if it's a virus, when the plant dies, the virus is gone. Uh, oh, that's vir- wonderful. Virus is not like a fungus that, you know, you can have spores that survive a while or uh, whatnot. But it, so when the plant's dead, then there's nothing that can transmit it. It would be like a mosquito can't carry malaria from a dead person that, to a living person unless, you know, they're just able to get fresh blood or something. But so it, right. it, viruses just aren't able to survive without the hosts like that in general, especially the, the plant things we're talking about. So I wouldn't worry about that. I don't know what you got. Uh, it does sound like it's not what it was supposed to be. Uh, if you would send me some pictures, I sure would appreciate it because I'd like to see it more. Uh, the, the Maybe from a distance, just what the whole plant looks like, how long it is. And then when you say green bloom, I'd, I'd like a close-up and good sharp focus to, to see that because some squ- you know squash blooms at the base, as they approach their attachment point, have some greenish uh, color to them. But they're right. overwhelmingly yellow. So uh, I, if yes. you could just send yeah. me some pictures, maybe I could speculate on something else going on. Okay. I will. Um, uh, you can't get pictures on this phone number, can you? Uh, no. But if you go, if, okay. if you have a cell phone and you can just put email from it. 
to gardensuccess at tamu.edu. So when you take a picture, there's a little share button on there, and, and yeah. you share it to your whatever Gmail or whatever you use, and, and uh, that'll get it here. Okay, fantastic. And I may have only that one yellow squash that is gone. Okay. Going rogue on me, and I can show you a wilted vine because I have all pulled them up. Okay. And uh, we may even actually be able to see what the uh, blooms look like on one of the ones that I pulled up. Okay. I will try and get that in. So it was at tamu.edu. Garden success at tamu.edu. Yes. Thank you. I look forward Perfect. to seeing that. You're welcome. Thank you, Skip, very much. You Have a good summer. Well, thank you. You too. Let's go now back to the phones and we're going to talk to Phyllis. Hello, Phyllis. Hello, Phyllis. Are you there? I am here. Oh, okay. The phone made a odd noise. <laughs> um, I have a lot of Asian jasmine and I had someone fertilize it. But now I see uh, plants that were not fertilized and they are pale mm -hmm. and can I fertilize them now? Yes you can. Uh, just be careful. Uh, fertilizers um, a lot of them are salt based and so you don't want to burn your plants with excessive fertilizer but just a light fertilization periodically you can just do it anytime you want on that. Uh, you might also look at the moisture. Uh, sometimes when uh, beds get overwatered and they're clay and they tend to get soggy and poorly oxygenated, you can get that light green color uh, developing as well. So I don't want to just assume it's nutrients, but... Okay. Um, how do I tell the difference? Um, if you look up close at, at a, a vine of your Asian jasmine, and if the is the yellowing on the older leaves, is it on the newer growth at the end, or is it on the whole thing? just kind of generally losing its green color. So you wouldn't necessarily call it yellow, but it's, what, what do we call, chartreuse uh, kind of color. So mm. one of those three is probably going to be the case. Yeah, it's uh, mature leaves, uh, yellow looking. Okay. Pale, uh, paler. There's just different possible causes. Um, the mobile elements like my nitrogen and magnesium and stuff will we'll leave the older leaves to support the new growth, uh, and that, that is a possibility. Uh, that's not a common problem with Asian jasmine, so I'd be a little surprised if that's what's happening, but it's a possibility. The other uh, possibility is sometimes with plants, you may have noticed this on your house plants, you go through a drought period and then you water it, and a lot of the old leaves turn yellow uh, after, the, after the watering, and it perks up. Um, and so it could be something like that. You know, I don't know your soil or your watering schedule or anything, but uh, I would not eliminate that. And the best way to tell is to go out and dig down in the soil and feel it about three or four inches deep. Uh, I did that the other day, and I thought my soil was reasonably moist, and oh my goodness, it was concrete dry. Uh, and so, it, you know, when it's 100 degrees for weeks, uh, it it's not what you think it is down there. So that's why I don't like watering schedules as much as I like, you know, going out and getting your hands involved in determining when you might need to water. Right, right. 
Okay, well, thank you. I will try to find out. All right. (laughs) Bye. All right. Thank you for the call, Phyllis. Uh, Let's go now. And by the way, the number is 845-5689. And we're going to talk to Kim. Hello, Kim. Hi, Skip. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Well, I'm doing okay. What are you doing to those roses? (laughs) (laughs) I must have had a yellow paintbrush out, I guess. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's that was my first question for you. Yeah, you're the the symptoms that you're seeing look look water related to me, uh, water fluctuations. But uh, there's a little bit of stuff in your photos that looks a little bit viral, and I see. But that's very minimal. I I would not put that at the top of the list. Then there is also um, some um, thrips looking damage to the leaves. Thrips are little tiny insects that have a mouth part sort of like a reciprocating saw and they just rip through the leaf and and uh, cause certain kinds of uh, discoloring damage. So I don't think I would worry about spraying them. Roses are pretty tough. Generally you don't have to spray for thrips. They're more of a bloom problem than a foliage problem. I think I'd look at the soil moisture, dig down like I was just saying, and, and feel it and see mm-hmm. what's going on. It, you know, it, it too wet, too dry. Um, and, you know, judging from the way the grass looks uh, biome, I think it's getting plenty of water. So the question is, is it mm-hmm. getting too much? Mm-hmm. Uh, not mm-hmm. a lot, of, not signs of black spot or anything, but the, the firing, the V-shaped uh, browning of the tips and things, uh, that looks like water's not making it all the way through. All the way through the plant? Yeah, all the way in and through the leaf. You know, it's kind of like the, it's the end of the line for water that comes in at the roots and goes through the plant. And uh, that so leaf. It looks like it. Go looks ahead. like it might need some deep, deep watering. It, it could. It could. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, um, it, but I, I really would dig down, get past your mulch and dig down kind of soil mm-hmm. and feel it. And if it feels very moist to you, don't, you don't need to water that don't worry about that oh, yeah. uh, being up against well, the, the house there's basi- i had the one plant that basically died now i mm-hmm. i came up back with that systemic um rose whatever it's called that you get at the home depot or the co-op okay and I that plant and it's coming yeah. back okay and now these these other three plants are just recently uh started turning yellow so i'm yeah. wondering if that's transmitting from one plant to the next well Keep watching them. The symptoms in the photos you sent me are just kind of like all over the place. And so uh, I might even consider, you know, pruning out some of the branches that are just heavily affected. And let's get some new growth in there and see what it looks like. Uh, mm-hmm. We we often prune our roses uh, at the end of, of summer. I, I typically would do it in mid to late August to get some new growth for a fall bloom uh, season. Mm-hmm. Late, late August is a great time to do that. So just kind of watch it and see, and don't hesitate to call back if you need to. So the other questions, I sent you another picture. It looks like I think it might be poison ivy. I don't know if you have that handy or recall that one. Uh, that That is not poison ivy. Uh, that it is it, not? No, I don't know if this is good news that it's not, because that is a vine called pepper vine. Uh, for those folks listening, poison ivy, the little... Uh, clusters of leaves are in uh, sets of three and with pepper vine you're going to get five seven or more leaves in a cluster uh, and uh, that 
that, that is pepper vine. Uh, it goes down in the ground and the roots pop up vines everywhere. It's a, it's a difficult weed uh, to manage. Uh, you can spray it uh, or you can use, it, you know, as much as you have there, I think I might just spray it uh, with a product containing triclopyr. It's T-R-I-C-L-O-P-Y-R. That is a good product when you're dealing with kind of a woody vine or brush or, you know, little tree seedlings that the birds plant in your fence lines and things. Uh, mm -hmm. tri triclopyr is pretty good. You can also, you know, if it's just coming up a little bit, you can, you know, sort of scar up the vine a little bit or just spray the triclopyr right on the base of the vine. Uh, it it not good for your St. Augustine to get it all over that. So well, you it's might not in my. It's it's along the sidewalk okay. of the long thornberry, and it's okay. about it, it goes all the way up over the vegetation, and it's about thirty yards. Oh wow! In length down that stretch of the sidewalk. Well, I I tell you I I. You could try digging some of the main plants up, but I can tell you there's a lot of underground uh, connectedness. Uh, and so digging is not going to make it go away. Uh, mm -hmm. it, but when you cut it back and it tries to come out, uh, you know, after it, you might be able to use a shielded spray. If it, if, it, if the plants that it's growing on are shrubs, uh, uh, broadleaf plants, I, the triclopyr definitely will hammer them or kill them. Well, this is, this is the green space along the edge of the... Um subdivision so it's, oh, okay. it's a lot of uh, trees and things okay uh, yeah well i don't know if, the, if that would be the city uh responsibility or the homeowners uh, along that yeah I, I, edge I, of the sidewalk. I don't know what to tell you on that but i i, I would tell you mm -hmm. that this thing is enthusiastic and it is not happy to stay where it is it's going to go encroaching in, in all directions It'll it'll ultimately kill all the plants that it's, it's hosting it i guess right uh just by shading them out Mm -hmm. It, mm -hmm. it, you know, it, mm -hmm. that that's the only thing. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. All right. Well, not good news, but yeah. I guess we can deal with it. Huh? All right, Kim, are you calling from Houston area? Uh, the telephone's a, a Houston mm -hmm. uh, area, but I live in Bryan. Okay. All right. Just uh, checking. All right. Well, thank you for the call. Uh huh. Thanks, Kim. Yes. Talk sir. To you later. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, phone number is 845-5689, and now we're going to go to the phones and talk to Dylan. Hello, Dylan. Hi, Mr. Richter. I just had one quick question. Mm -hmm. So I, I've been trying to grow radishes sporadically probably over the past two years. Mm -hmm. I can never get them to form bulb. I was wondering what I could do to like get them to actually grow, form the bulb. I, I missed the plant name that you're trying radishes. to radishes. Radishes, okay. Um, okay, well, radishes and turnips and beets and things, they and carrots. Uh, the things that cause them to not bulb or make the root, in the case of a carrot, the, um, is crowding, so that they don't have space between them. Uh, each of those, the plants. You can plant them thick and then thin them out, but when you thin them out, they should be as far apart as the mature bulb on a normal size plant of whatever of those types you're growing is going to be. Uh, so with carrots, I would, I wouldn't put them. I'd make sure they're you know two inches apart probably. That's a little extra, but uh, you know with radishes, probably close to the same thing. Um, th that is one thing. Another thing is shade and l lack of sunlight. 
Uh, if, if they're not getting six hours of sun, you may see less than ideal performance. And then the final thing is excessive amounts of nitrogen in fertilizing them. You, they need a little bit, but you don't want to push mm -hmm. them too much. Too much. Mm -hmm. Well, I probably have the whole triple whammy going wrong. Okay, it's all of the yeah. above. <laughs> you know, if, if you like radishes, I, I would consider then getting some containers, and they don't have to be very mm -hmm. deep, uh, and, and planting radishes in some containers that you can set in a sunny spot. Radishes are fast. You know, you're 28 days. You probably have something to eat there. And uh, so I would consider... Uh, maybe trying them in containers because you can put them in the sun and they're so fast that it's not like you're taking care of them all year. They just like sprout up real quick. Thank yeah. you so much. All right. Dylan, thank you very much for the call. Absolutely. Have a great one. Mr. You too. Our phone number is 845-5689 and we're going to talk now to Randy. Hello, Randy. Hello, Skip. How are you? I'm good. You sent me a picture of a fern. Yeah, I did, I, and I wanted to kind of ask you about, you can see it a little bit. Um, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's all over, but there's some dead in it. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering what could be possibly causing that, because it's not out there in the sun. Mm -hmm. and he gets sun, you know, periodically. Um, but yeah. what do you think kind of causing that thing to look like that? Because the other one looks fine, and he, the other one has a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just more growth until it those are dying. I don't know. So that's you, why I was thinking you don't, that you, look at. you don't think it dried out too much for a short time? No. Um, I don't know because I, I water those pretty. Okay. I mean, like every other day I'll water them and stuff like that um, because they are in shade and then they get water from the sprinkler system somewhat. And uh, yeah. I was just trying to, uh, okay. you know, I know it, I know it said don't overwater them either, you know, because they don't yes. care for that. Yeah, our sodic, sodic water, too, I think I commented earlier in the show, Just it just builds up, you know, when you just yeah. use, use your um, water faucet all the time on them. Uh, there's not a particular disease or anything that I know of that is on the foliage that would do that. Mm -hmm. So I think something's wrong underground, and, and I don't quite know what. Water is my first guess. Uh, but, um, you know, it's very erratic through your fern. It's not like half the plant's dead and half the plant's alive. It, it's, it's, yeah, here, no. it's scattered it's, yeah. here and there. And so right. that that just eliminates a lot of things. And a lot of the leaves that are turning brown, as they're going to brown from green, it's the tips of the leaves that are browning out, which, as I was mentioning earlier, is a plumbing problem. Uh, you know, you burn the roots with salt-based fertilizers. You don't provide enough water or anything goes on that blocks the flow of water from the ground to the plant and that can all cause that yeah and those are in pots um, both of them are in pots oh okay well then the drying out is is even more possible and you know a lot of the sprinklers and things the the foliage of that plant keeps the water from going into the sprinkler you know i, I water mine at home i stick the the little water wand right into the middle of it just so I can get the water in the pot rather than having right. it run off the outsides. So I'm thinking maybe a period of dryness may be the reason. That's my best okay. shot. Okay. So, you know, I mean, it probably, it's probably going to be fine because I think I got enough green on it that it's not going to. Okay. 
yeah yeah it'll so, come um, it'll come back and you can you can cut all that out if you want to kind of go in and cut out here and there uh, i've mm -hmm. seen people giving them a real big haircut and just have fresh new growth come out i, I hate to do a haircut in 100 degree summer weather yeah but um, yeah, I hear you. yeah but you can go in and do some selective what what about a little um if i give it a little uh what is a miracle grow um spray miracle grow into it you think that'd be all right a or? very very dilute look at the lowest label rate and then mm -hmm. I would do half that. Uh, okay. But the problem right now is probably a loss of some root-like um, support uh, for the plant due to the dry period. And so fertilizer doesn't fix that. You need to get a good root system going, and then a little fertilizer can invigorate okay. the plant. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate it. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, now we're going to go and talk to Justin. Hello, Justin. Hi. Um I just had a quick question. Um, I have a uh, little pot of land that uh, just had uh, natural ve uh, Texas vegetation growing on it, mm -hmm. and my wife wanted to turn that into a garden. And so I was wondering, besides churning the soil, should I cut the soil with anything to get it prepared for, uh, like, berries and vegetables and stuff? Sh should you cut the soil, you said? Yeah, so like when you when I'm turning the soil, mm -hmm. should I be adding manure? Or, I got you. I got you. Or well, extra additives yeah, while I'm churning. Compost, manures, and things are all fine. They that improves soil uh, used in you know proper rates and stuff. Uh, if you're doing a very large area, that gets very expensive and not really mm -hmm. practical to do. Uh, but that would be an option if you have access to those. Just make sure if you use manure that it. Uh, if you know the the farm source of it uh, was one where they did not use brush control on the pastures that the cattle grazed on, okay. uh, because the that uh, we've we've got some products out there that work really well, and they work so well that they go all the way through the animal and they're present in the manure in strong enough levels to to damage garden plants. So gotcha. just do a triple check on that if you want to go the manure route. Otherwise, I would have your soil tested. You can go uh -huh. online to soil testing, one word, soiltesting.tamu.edu, and there's a form on there that you can download. Uh, you want the urban uh, soil sample form. Uh, that's for yards, gardens, fruit, vegetables, as opposed to pastures and things. Uh, so the urban soil form, fill it out, uh, follow the instructions on how to take a sample, and then when you get the results in, if you want to call the extension office, we can visit with you about that. Uh, but you you will you will know what you need to add, and then you would spread that out. And so when you're doing all your your disking or rototilling or whatever you're doing to the soil the fertilizers get mixed in at that time. That's best gotcha. to mix them in instead of just throw them on the surface. All right. Um, since you mentioned um, compost, uh, what's your opinion on the um, compost provided by the dump? Is it worth using? or? Yeah, it's great stuff. Uh, very, good, okay. very good stuff, very reasonably priced. Um, uh, you have to go get it yourself. The, the, you right. can hire somebody to, to deliver it for you, but the, the, the um, oh gosh, Twin Oaks facility uh, out in north, northwest, Bryan, northwest of Bryan, uh, they, don't, they don't deliver. I think that's it. And let, 
I do have one more quick question, if mm-hmm. you don't mind answering it. Sure. Um, I bought some uh, nitrogen fertilizer from Producers Co-op, and it just says 90% nitrogen. I, 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 that, that soil website that you sent, I actually did use that, and the, the online calculator wasn't able to like uh, help me calculate how much of the, of the nitrogen that, that I bought from Producers Co-op was. Is there like an easy like uh, conversion when they just give you percentages? I think you might need to look at that label again. I don't know anything that's 90% nitrogen. Okay. Maybe I'm crazy. Yeah. I appreciate it. No, you're not crazy. It's just typically if you get up to about, uh, if you used your, re- if you bought urea, which isn't typically what people buy as a fertilizer, but, but it is a good fertilizer, that's about 45, I think, percent. Uh, 40, 45 in there. Most fertilizers are 20, uh, 30% and below, uh, and most of them are down below 20%. So I would check that again. Uh, I'm not sure that's possible. Yeah, you bet. You bet. No problem. All right. And let's see. Let's go back to the phones. The number is 845-5689. And we're going to talk to Stan. Hey, Stan. Are you there? Do we lose Stan? Are you, are you, uh, Rick? Are you talking to Dan? Oh, Dan. Excuse me. Yes, I guess I am. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> How are you, Dan? <laughs> I'm fine, thank you very kindly. Good. Uh, I have a, a question going. I have two about fifteen or twenty year old live oaks in my front lawn, mm-hmm. and of course uh, the roots are tearing up the lawn uh, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, my question really is. I have a lot there. The oak bark is starting to split in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering uh, what causes that? Is there anything I should do about it or leave it alone? Well, um, a photo would be the best way for me to answer it. Uh, uh, and, it and you're welcome to email me one of those at gardensuccess at tamu.edu. Uh, but uh, I can tell you that oaks and many other trees. Uh, it fissures in the bark are part of the natural process. When it, the split, you can have bark that dies, and that certainly causes a split. The, the February freeze uh, two winters ago causes, caused a lot of splitting of bark by just killing bark. We, I would think you probably aren't looking at that now. Uh, if you're just kind of noticing it fairly recently. But uh, when trees are young, they have a very smooth bark. All kinds of trees do. And then as they begin to age and those those woody remain, t- those tissues on the outside begin to accumulate, uh, then you start to get the rough pattern of whatever that species does. But in the meantime, in between there, there is some splitting that occurs. But it's it's because the the growth of the tree is a grow the trunk is a growing cylinder and so if you imagine like one of those little kids balloons that they make poodles and animals out of imagine mm-hmm. one of those that you coated in a mud slurry and it dried and then you blow the balloon up a little bigger what's going to happen well you're going to get all the cracking in that dried mud right because it can't expand and and that is exactly what happens with tree trunks and they that that kind of splitting or the pattern as it gets even older uh, is kind of normal so i'd happy to look at a picture and maybe i'll totally disagree with that it's normal uh by looking at the picture but that that would be what okay. i recommend now no matter okay, what but it, it wouldn't is, be lack of water would it 
No, not lack of water. Uh, but if you, um, it, it could be that whether it's normal or not, there's not a lot you can do uh, except give the tree the conditions to maintain optimum health. So let's say something killed the bark. Uh, sunshine on younger trees than yours can, can damage the bark uh, sometimes. Uh, freezes can damage the bark. Physical movement in a windy storm can damage bark tissues. And if even if it is that, the goal is just to get that tree to form callus and, and close over any gap there. Uh, and so that's good, adequate water, not every week or anything, but just make sure it doesn't go dry. And then a little bit of fertilizer early in the life of a tree. You don't need to fertilize mature trees, but uh, early in the life uh, you can do that. And those are the things in your control other than giving it time to, to close back over. Okay, no, no sealing, right? No, absolutely. I shouldn't try to no. seal those that, cracks? That will do no good at all, and it and actually can cause problems. Good. Okay, thank you very kindly, Rick. Appreciate it. All right, Dan, thank you for the call. Well, our phones are open. If you'd like to call, it's 845-5689, 845-5689, or by email at gardensuccess at tamu.edu. And Allison emailed us a picture of her lawn, and uh, it died because a, a sprinkler head broke, and, and uh, in the process of trying to get it fixed, it didn't have water for a while. Uh, and now it's when you look at the picture, it's like there's brown in and among all the green everywhere. So it, it's recovering from drought, but the green is a little on the yellowish side. And that looks a lot like, uh, from a visual distance assessment, take all root rot. Take all is a fungal disease that, as the name implies, kills roots and runners. And uh, it it's, it's a problem. Now, I would never send you out to buy a product without an accurate diagnosis. So um, if you will, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to forward this over to my AgriLife Extension office email, and I will send you some information with a little video on how to take a lawn sample. And if you bring one in to us uh, and follow those instructions on how to take it, uh, I can take a look at it and determine if it is take all. And if it is take all, then we can make recommendations on what to do. But we're not going to assume that uh, just right now. The question is, do you first was should she fertilize and uh, I would not at not at this stage that's not going to fix the problem uh, it's not lack of nutrients it's lack of roots to take up nutrients and so uh, let's let's just hold off on the fertilizer for now uh, and then uh, after we make a better diagnosis uh, then I'll be happy to to make that kind of recommendation to you uh, our phone number is 845 Five six eight nine eight four five fifty six eighty nine, or by email at gardensuccess at tamu.edu. Uh, gardensuccess at tamu.edu. And um, let's see, we had a question uh, from uh, Heather uh, on email. Uh, Heather's dealing with some pests on, on one of her plants. Uh, she had some uh, Phalaenopsis, which is also called a moth orchid, uh, and a jade plant for several years. And um, they, uh, over the time, there have been little worm-like creatures that have appeared uh, on the leaves. And she sent a photo uh, of that, and uh, they've been sprayed and things. But um, the question is, you know, what what's going on here? What can I do? Um, and I, so I'm taking a look at your 
at your um, pictures. And, you know, uh, caterpillars are not a, a common uh, orchid uh, problem or, or jade plant problem. And as I look at, at the things on the leaf, they don't look like caterpillars to me. Uh, they look like something else, and I can't quite tell what they are. So I'm going to ask if you can send a closer photo in good sharp focus, or if you can just bring a sample uh, in. Uh, you may find that what's on there isn't something you can just scrape off. It it may be actually a damage into the leaf itself, uh, but I hope uh, that we can help you a little bit further. But based on uh, the information, the kind of plant it is, and everything, I don't, I don't, um, I just don't think caterpillar is what we're dealing with. But I could be wrong. So please, Heather, give us a, uh, you know, send another photo or uh, bring bring a sample by the extension office. Let's go to the phones now and talk to John. Hello, John. Good morning. Uh, we have an aprium tree that we got uh, from the A&M plant sale back in like 2016. Mm-hmm. It, it's probably 18 feet tall now, but this year uh, we seem to have a, a good blossom show, but it didn't set any fruit. And, of course, it, it was really cold right then. Did, did that? you think that affected the the fruiting on the tree? Or Well, it, it, it's, it bloomed, but it didn't set fruit. Right. We didn't. Okay. Just right. Very, very few. A couple of couple of them in which the squirrels promptly sure sure well for people that are listening going what is aprium uh, uh many years ago and this has been done in other places but a guy named floyd zager in california began crossing stone fruits that would be apricots plums peaches those kind of things and aprium is an apricot plum cross and so uh it's it's a kind of a hybrid type deal uh i don't know off the top of my head john this is the only aprium call I've ever had. I don't know off the top of my head if apriums are self-fruitful or not. I think they should be, but I'm not positive. Did they tell you when you bought it? We have gotten we have gotten fruit in okay. previous years. It was just this year that for some reason didn't okay. seem to... Boy, I don't know. Um, you think that might have a weather problem? Or? It, it could be. You, could, you know, the weather you know, certainly, could, you know, you get a frost when you have blooms, and, and that, that affects it. Uh, other than the weather, I don't know what else would do that. Uh, okay. So, you uh, know, you've got a garden and a lot of other things. I know you got bees around that are doing their job, and so uh, I don't. I kind of eliminated in my head any other options other than weather. In fact, this year, this this spring, we we now have two beehives we set up. So okay. We're, we're gonna we're gonna try to improve that pollination trick too all right good good uh we also have a jujube tree uh that's not that big it's probably 12 feet tall mm -hmm. uh and it had lots of fruit on it and they were they were green mm -hmm. uh, what what do they look like when they're ripe they get a brownish color to them the green turns uh not a dark brown uh trying to find a way to describe it kind of a reddish brown mahogany brown kind of color mary uh, mary seems to think it's supposed to turn maroon but i'm not sure maybe that maybe that's the same color you're talking about uh well that probably i can see how reddish me saying reddish brown and someone kind of picturing that and picture maroon it gets kind of close they don't turn a bright color you know like red maroon green blue they don't look like that but but it's a 
it's a dark if it's a maroon it's kind of a a very light uh, coloring but um, I would say a little more brown than that uh, okay. by the way what I should ask you what variety is it that that matters <laughs> uh, uh, that's okay if you don't have it off the top of your head that that's fine uh, but some of them there's Lee and Lang and Tiger Tooth and Sherwood and several other uh, varieties of jujubes out there and uh, in fact A&M has been doing some testing of a whole bunch of new ones because there are some places in the world where jujubes are very popular and there are a lot of other varieties and we've always been gosh you know for 30 years of my career I I just knew about Lee and Lang there's the old same old ones that are always around and nothing new maybe you got something new well, I, I, she didn't write it down here, so I don't know. Okay. But, but it's kind of a, it's kind of pointless anyway, because I, we can't we can't get them before the squirrels get them. <laughs> I feel your pain. Mary, Mary says it's a Lee or Lang. She's not sure which. One that, that's funny. I feel your pain. All right. Well, um, other than point out that you can eat squirrels, I don't know what else to suggest. So. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you, Chip. All right. Take care, John. Let's go to the phones now and talk to Lewis. Hello, Lewis. Oh, do we got Lewis there? Uh, okay, we're going to go talk to Ed. I'm sorry. Hello, Ed. Hi, hi. I sent you a picture of some black-eyed peas. First picture is about three weeks ago, then two weeks ago, and now they're recovering some. But something got to them. I first tried pyrethrins, and that didn't do any good. And then I tried a systemic. I can't pronounce the name. It starts with an I. You probably know what I'm talking about. Uh, it would be amidocloprid. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, Ed, and I'm that, not seeing your pictures. Did you send them to uh, Garden Success at tamu.edu? Yes. Okay. Hmm. Well, I'm not seeing them. Go ahead and describe to me what, what you're okay, seeing. Okay, well, they, they were attacked. It looked like by some, could have been a mite or something, but the leaves are badly curled and holes in them in the beginning. Okay. okay. Then a couple of weeks later, I, I used pyrethrins a couple of weeks later. Then they sort of got spindly and the leaves were curled and mm -hmm. narrow. But now after using that other pesticide, mm -hmm. it, the systemic, it looks like the leaves are beginning to be normal now so okay well I, I was about to suggest maybe a virus is involved because that causes twisting malformations or it can and discolor and changing color pattern on a leaf uh, depending on the virus and the plant but if it if you're seeing the newer growth looking okay then it's not a virus uh, yeah. that 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 happens to black-eyed peas I have uh, two kinds of uh, of a cow pea a cream pea that in my garden this summer uh, and they, they they look like that, but I find that they always kind of outgrow it, and they do just fine. It doesn't. I don't think it affects my production much. So I'm gonna one of these days I'm gonna get a hold of uh, one of the folks over at our pea breeding program, which Extension has AgriLife Extension A and M has a or Research at A M has a, a great pea breeding program, and ask them about that because I've never drilled down to find out what all is happening. I know there's some little insects with piercing sucking mouth parts that can cause the problem. Uh, by the way, your your email just now arrived. Uh, but what you're, what's in your picture is exactly what I see on mine. Uh, and so I would say now the strappiness really looks like, okay, the pictures I'm seeing now, the new growth, 
uh, that does look like a virus. That new growth is is not normal. The other thing that can cause that is a very dilute Roundup or glyphosate uh, damage. Uh, when you maybe had a sprayer that was used for weed control with, with put Roundup in it or another brand of glyphosate, and then you wash it out, and then you put a new thing in there, and maybe you didn't wash it out good, or maybe the you didn't wash out the tube and the wand, you know, run wa a lot of water through that, you can get a very dilute glyphosate damage. So that would be another thing to add to the possibilities. Okay, great. Well, I, I used the same sprayer for the pyrethrins on other plants, and they, mm -hmm. they weren't you didn't damaged. You did the damage. Okay, yeah. And I keep try to keep my sprayers, one for herbicides and one for insecticides. That's so. a great practice. Well, let me, let me um, pursue it a little bit further, but um, th that growth pattern, the, the old leaves that are buckling and, and kind of spinach leaf looking, uh, yeah. that, that's what I see and they outgrow it. Uh, the new strappy growth, that does not look normal uh, yeah. to me. That's more viral looking. So uh, that's my best shot at it based on okay. the photos. And just might mention a couple other things there. I've, I've always had trouble with curcubits with stem borer, mm -hmm. but this year, the last couple of years, I've had really good luck with uh, bitter melon and uh, Armenian cucumber. And both of those are just really luxuriant, you know, growing luxuriantly and okay. producing a lot. So, so on the, something on, resistant. Yeah. On the Armenian, do you find it that it takes a lot longer to come into production than other cucumbers? Or, yes. or or not? Okay. Yeah, I was worried whether it was going to do anything. And last year I grew it, mm -hmm. and I didn't get anything because I planted them sort of late, I think. Right. But this year I planted them early, and they're really quite prolific right now. Yeah, I don't that, know how long it'll last. That's been my experience. And, yeah, cucumbers, when it gets hot, they, they're not happy with it. And so you do need to get those things in early uh, if you're going to grow the Arminian. So. All okay. right. Good hey, to know. thank you for the call. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, now let's go to the phones and talk to Lewis. Hello, Lewis. Hey, good afternoon, Skip. Afternoon. Good show as always. Thank you. I was going to offer you a compliment, a question. I really <laughs> liked Tim Hartman's show that you had on a couple of weeks ago. Oh, isn't he great? He's fun to listen to. Yeah. I'm a pomology nut myself. Okay. I, I read, about the same year you graduated. The mm -hmm. um, one thing you brought up was grafting blueberries on the berries. I actually started playing with that about 35, 40 years ago. Oh, did you? There was a guy up in Huntsville, Herb Duran. He was in the old Gulf Coast Fruit Study Group. And yes. The, Southern Fruit Fellowship, and he was playing around with them. And I I haven't hit it serious enough, but that's one of the things I'm tired of moving up to Brazos County that I'm going to pick back up. Okay. So try to see how that works out. Yeah. Yeah, There's it, they're growing wild. I, I gathered a bunch of seeds off some along um, hard, uh -huh. uh, William D. Fitch. Uh, and East of right. east of Highway Six, out going around that way. There's a there's a lot of them blooming in the brush line, you know. And you, right. uh, I I also like Farkleberry because it has a, a very dark maroon fall color. Uh, one of our right. few fall color plants that we can grow. Yeah, it, it's graft compatible. Now I don't know in terms of productivity and long term uh, compatibility and and whatnot. Uh, I don't have an answer on that, but I do know that. I know of people who have grafted successfully. So, yeah, that's what I'm playing with too. I've played with it on and off over the years, but I hadn't hadn't hit the magic combination yet to figure out what what to make it work. Yeah. Okay. My, my, 
Go ahead. My question is going to ask you, I'm, I'm planting out a, a peach and plum and, and about 30 other different fruit orchards, but what are your, would you say your top two, three plums and peaches are for oh Bradley County? Oh, boy, that's a good question. I'm, I am not as up-to-date on plums as I'd like to be. Uh, Methylee is one that we've used uh, for a long time. Sure. Santa Rosa is one that's been popular for a long time. Um, Methylee is a, a little bit soft for a plum. It's not, but mm-hmm. it's a good plum. There's nothing wrong with it. Right, I'm sure uh, University of uh, uh, Auburn University uh, released a couple of uh, plums, and I don't, I can't remember the chilling hour requirement, so I, I'll say the names, but I'm not saying these names would be growing here. But there was AU Roadside and AU Premier, and I think they have some others. Uh, and so those were looking pretty good in some parts of the southeast, and I, I don't know if uh, we've done testing on those particular ones mm-hmm. or not. So I guess I'm pleading ignorance on it, but those are some of the ones that, that I might consider uh, on the plums. What was the other thing that... Uh, peaches. Pe- I mean, I've looked at Dr. Burns' stuff that he's... That he's uh, yes, yes. It looks like, like that's the way to go, his current release. It is. It is. There's, you know, uh, he has a number of them, and you can go online and look. There's nectarines and there's peaches. There's mm-hmm. white right. flesh which is more of a low acid, just flat sweet, syrupy in my opinion, sweet uh, peaches. And then he's even grown some of the kind that look like donuts or UFOs uh, that are very popular in some some parts of Asia, uh, but haven't really been big deals here in the United States. Uh, And then he has them by all the different chilling levels. And so you can find exactly the ones you want. I know there'll be more coming out of that breeding program in the years to come. Uh, they're making some selections over time uh, to release some more. Uh, the other ones that aren't in that, uh, I have found that uh, Tex Royal, Tex T E X Royal, is yep, a good yep. one. There's Tex Star. I'm not as big a fan of it. It's semi cling, and uh, it's a great peach. But I think Tex Royal is a better peach. Uh, okay. There, there's a one out of Louisiana from years ago called La Feliciana, that is a mm-hmm. good one also. Uh, so you know. Lots of different names out there, but uh, lots of good options. Do you do you know if they have a um, plum breeding program going on, either Dr. Hartman or Dr. Byrne? Uh, no, Dr. Har- Dr. Hartman's not a fruit breeder. Dr. Byrne is still here. He's uh, close to retiring, uh, still working with his peaches. I don't know of him having any plum breeding. I have, to ask, him, I have to ask him the next time I see him that uh, okay. I don't think there's things coming out of that but i could be wrong about that uh, sure. i just he and i haven't had a conversation about uh okay, regarding plum breeding well if you read dr hartman on back on ask him about the new table grapes that they're looking at that they're evaluating yes yes actually we need to get our we need to get our grape specialist uh back on and uh, talk about grapes uh, that we we do have some new exciting things that they're looking at that's well, good be fun i need to next time i can't be on the show i'll pre-record one for that Thank you. Skip. Right. You have a good afternoon. Yes, sir, Lewis. Thank you for the call. All right, let's go to the phones and talk to Jennifer. Hello, Jennifer. Hi. Thanks for waiting. You <laughs> called right at the tail end of a flurry, so I appreciate you yeah. being patient. Thank you. Uh, well, I just wanted to call in and give the little water services update. Um, and I don't know if you've um, you probably had a lot of calls from people wondering about watering their lawns and um yeah. Well, tell us tell yeah. us what's happening in College Station Water. Uh, it, yeah, it's College Station Water. It's Wellburn Water. It's uh, Brian. Everybody's water demand is just going through the roof. Uh-huh. So 
um, it's really, really important. Um, to, I mean, your listeners, I think, are tuned into water conservation, but I just wanted to kind of sound the um, sound the message once again for um, getting water reminders from bbwatersmart.tamu.edu. That site will tell you exactly how long to run your rotors and your spray zones and your uh, yes. drip irrigation each week to put the right amount of water on. And um, and I, I kind of wanted to get your opinion on, you know, turf health at this time. I'm kind of thinking that it's that turf is showing signs of stress, like not from lack of water so much as just the heat maybe. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, there there are a number of things that are going on, and I, I've gotten quite a few uh, pictures of, of turf that's struggling along. Um, mm-hmm. the, the heat is just an intense time of demand, and so yeah. it's pumping water as fast as it can just trying to stay alive. Uh, it mm-hmm. can, our turf can handle our temperatures. They just need a lot of water to do it. And when I say a lot, I mean adequate moisture, not not periods of drought. Uh, then right. the disease take-all root rot is an opportunist. Uh, it's not typically a primary uh, pathogen that you know jumps on a perfectly healthy plant and kills it. Uh, but when we when we stress them with drought periods, when we have uh, stress from lack of sunlight, when we use mm-hmm. certain kinds of broadleaf herbicides that are labeled for lawns uh, at times of the year when it's too hot to use them, and then we stress the lawn from that, uh, I typically see take-all come in, and, and I've had several pictures of that look just like take-all to me, too. So I think all of those things, I have yet to see anything that looks chinch bug, but we're about to hit the big season when that yes. would typically occur. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I've been keeping, I, I get uh, the uh, um, water recommendations by email, which I think everybody mm-hmm. should do. And uh, just seeing what's recommended, but I, I'm probably a tightwad. Uh, whatever you recommend, <laughs> my my uh, lawn prays that I would ever give it that, uh, and I don't. <laughs> I'm, in other words, I I keep it alive, uh, m- minimal stress, uh, you know. But uh, I I try not to water much. In fact, I have an automatic system, and uh, the areas in the shade typically don't need as much water as areas in the sun. So even though exactly. I have an automatic system, I run my little hose-in sprinkler out there to wet those sunny spots uh, so that I don't have to run the whole system and wet the whole yard. Uh, so I know most people aren't probably willing to do that, but that certainly mm-hmm. is a water-saving option. Yep, it definitely is. Well, yeah, we just, um, I'm not sure when we're going to get rain, but I'm, I'm just encouraging people to water as deeply and infrequently as they can um, to keep their turf healthy. And um, water conservation becomes important for the utility as well, because when we have really, really high water demand and the soil is drying out, we're starting to notice a lot more leaks Mm -hmm. also. And so if customer water demand is really high, then um, we notice that it makes it harder for us to actually get the lines drained and fixed quickly because we're pushing so much water through our system. Oh, I got you. so, yeah. so on the leaks, are you talking about like a shrink swell of the soil getting dry exactly. that's breaking the pipe mm-hmm. or opening? Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Boy, I, I was in Houston for about eight years before coming back uh, to uh, Mecca here. And uh, I, uh, in Houston, they have big problems with that. And it just, I mean, it just busting pipes all over the place. Streets getting dug up and everything else. Yes. We yeah. noticed that this week. And so I'll throw out our um, dispatch number real quick for people to write down if they see leaks it's uh 
855-528-4278. Okay, and I will try to hold on to that yeah, number and mention it. And this is for, it's only used for reporting leaks? This, that, that's um, for uh, electricity problems, water problems, wastewater problems. Um, and it's a 24-hour a day, seven-day week number. Um, but if you, see, if you see a leak, call it in and um, we'll jump on it. Good. And good. that will help us. Well, that that is good to know, and I'm writing all this down so I can remember to. I'll try to promote that a little bit more. Well, okay. uh, so as far as our water use right now, and you know we've had mm -hmm. a lot more uh, houses built in the last decade. Mm -hmm. uh, are we looking? Uh, are, are we anywhere near kind of an historic levels of of water use, or or what? Yes. Okay. We had uh, May May of 2011 was our highest demand May. And then May of 2022 was the next one right oh, wow. below that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've grown a lot since then, but it's, it's really just, um, it's been so dry and people have watered a lot. But it's, it's easy to water too much. Yes. So it, the Water Smart will help you do that. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're running, we've been running 20 million gallons a day or more for the past week. Wow. And we normally don't do that until August. Wow. Okay, yeah. that's not that doesn't um, that doesn't sound good. I, no. I um, <laughs> you know I don't know if you heard at the beginning of the show, but I was talking about one of the problems when you overwater. By the way, you have forty seconds before this is over. Sorry. <laughs> um, is that um, you? Uh, n not only do you pay more for your your water bill, but you all that sodium just adding it and adding mm -hmm. it and adding it and adding it. It affects the clay's drainage and it affects uh, the uh, pH to to a degree of the soil, mm -hmm. and, and so there's more than just your pocketbook reasons not to water, uh, as, as well as what you described as being a concern for the community. Mm -hmm. Well, Je uh, Jennifer, thank you for calling, and sorry it took so long to get you on. We need to get you back on <laughs> earlier, so don't hesitate to call yes. back. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right, you've been listening to Garden Success. We are glad to talk to you, busy day. Tell your neighbors, we'll be back next week. You've been listening to Garden Success with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension horticulturist Skip Richter. Join us again next week as Skip discusses your questions about gardening and landscaping in the Brazos Valley. Garden Success is brought to you in part by the Arbor Gate, featuring unusual plants, artisan-created decorative pieces, and a constantly changing array of items that bring beauty, comfort, and even flavor to the home and garden. Arbor Gate, 15635 FM 2920, Tomball, Texas, 281-351-8851 or arborgate.com. Garden Success is also brought to you by the Farm Patch, 3519 South College Avenue in Bryan, 979-822-7209.